0: Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness podcast. Today, we're gonna to talk about video content marketing strategy. My guest, Lisa Beyer, is the founder and CEO of The Beyer Group, a boutique agency that specializes in public relations, social media, and branding. Listen as she discuss what kind of videos are trending and which brands have a killer video marketing strategy. So cool, let's get this started. So, we always have Lisa Byer today, you guys, on the podcast. We're really excited to have you. Lisa, thank you for uh, spending some time with us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So, why don't you give the uh, audience a little background? Like, where did you grow up? Like, kind of give us a little preview.
1: Sure, Sarah. Sure. So, I grew up in Chicago and Miami, so, very diverse cities there.
0: Polar opposites kind of. Yeah. yeah, polar yeah. Opposite,
1: so yeah. So going from the Chicago suburbs to Miami, you know, back in the day, it was um, super interesting and I was in a little bit of culture shock, but it was exciting too. Yeah. And I went to school at University of Florida and go Gators.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Gators for sure.
1: Yeah. So that's awesome. And I was actually also able to teach as an adjunct for a couple years, social media management. So kind of like fun going full circle.
0: It's funny. So when I was down, I did some consulting work down in Florida for a few months. I was actually, I actually lived down there while my wife was going to nursing school. She's like, yeah, go do your consulting thing. So I was, I was down there. It's crazy. Like how big of fans there are of the Gators. Oh, yes. Everywhere. Like, I don't think people really understand the magnitude of it. Like, when you say go Gators, it's like, I mean, it was everywhere. Like, I've I've seen college or I've seen football, like NFL teams that weren't promoted or didn't have like the loyal following. I mean, it was crazy.
1: Yeah, definitely. And um, my household is a divided household. So my husband graduated from UM and my son graduated from FSU. So certain days, those football games, like we, you know, are on separate sides for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Is there ever any any violence or anything like that? Or is it all pretty, pretty kosher?
1: Yeah, we, we try to keep the cool.
0: That's good. That's good. Because, I mean, that's, <laughs> we want to keep the violence down, especially when it comes to football games. But I'm sure the bragging rights, if somebody was to win the game, can go on, obviously, until the next game.
1: Exactly, exactly. So we have to kind As of pass you, the torch.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully you keep the torch. But, yeah, if you yeah. do have to pass it, then that can be a, a difficult moment. So, awesome. So, yeah, you definitely have some different football teams there, right? Everybody kind of going at it for their division. So how big was your family growing up? Like, and so where did you mainly grow up? So obviously you were in Chicago and then you went over and you were uh, in Miami as well. Like where did, where would you spend most of your time?
1: Well, I grew up mainly in Miami. So my family, um, my mom was a single mom and I had a, I have a sister. And so we moved to Miami when I was in junior high. Hmm. So I would say, you know, mostly grew up in Miami and growing up with a single mom that taught me a lot. I was, you know, had a basically take care of a lot of things that yeah. don't normally have to take care of. So I grew up fast and grew up like very responsible and had a job when I was 14 and learned how to write checks and go grocery shopping when I was still in high school just to help my mom out. So I think that gave me the work ethic that I have today, almost sometimes to a fault, you know, you know right. over delivering.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's a good thing. It's like, you know, you see sometimes and this is up for debate, you know, they say millennials and others, sometimes this and a little lazy and this, not always, but, and then it's funny. then you have somebody like you that was like, you know, you're like, you gotta be kidding me. Like it's hard to stop you at age 14. Right. And and even up until this day.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We're in a whole different kind of like universe now when it comes to, um, you know, there's life ethic and work ethic, depending on your outlook on life can be, you know, very
0: different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So it was your mom. So you was a single mom, and then you had a sister. It was a younger sister.
1: My younger sister, yeah. So um, I pretty much was, you know, a little bit in charge of her when my mom was working. So we grew up very close, and you know, I helped her make sure that she, you know, when once I graduated high school, kind of made sure that she stayed on the right track, and you know, did what she was supposed to be doing. Um, even though I was away at college, I, you know, still would come home and you know, help make sure that everything was being taken care of, and she had some direction.
0: Did your sister go off to college?
1: She did not, no. She started working um, early like I did, and she ended up entering the corporate world and like took off like crazy. And so now her and her husband actually own a restaurant in Chicago called La Gondola
0: nice nice yeah. nice I always I love that's why I always kind of ask these kind of questions because I'm always really intrigued by people's paths right I mean not that you need to finish college to be successful and I think that's you know you see that a lot more these days back and back in the day, it was like yeah finish college you're not going to make it but that's not always the deal especially with online training And there's like so many different oh. things you can do online it's absolutely phenomenal
1: yeah I mean it was definitely a stigma I think before I think now today it's starting to become like people are actually starting to, to grasp the concept of not going to college and doing some of these certifications. And, you know, what is the value of college when you know, you're paying some of these crazy tuition fees? So, you know, I'm not at all discounting college, but I think that today there's more choices and that it's not such a stigma to not go to college. There's certifications, there's tech colleges you can go to and, you know, entrepreneurship is a beautiful thing to, that actually does not require a college degree.
0: Well, especially now because the training's online, it's like it's it's all accessible. Like whatever you want to f- like find out or figure out and be involved with, you can. If you really want to do whatever it is, PPC, you want to open a restaurant. Like I, I'm trying to think of like I always joke around about like what happened 20 or 20 years ago. Let's say 10 years ago or 15 years when the internet wasn't around. Like who do you go to that would say, "Oh, this is how you open a restaurant. This is what you do." Like it would have to be either in your family or you just go and try it. Like I don't know. I just the Access to resources and, and people that have done it, haven't done it, that were successful, that weren't successful, is just through the roof to me. I mean, it kind of, kind of mind blowing to me, actually.
1: It is, it is. I mean, you know, before you could Google anything or sign up for an online course like you can today, it was more about going to the library or buying books. You know, going to a bookstore, and those were your resources. Where you know they were more you know, like hard resources. And now we have these soft resources that digital resources that are available that we can do everything from get certified. You know, one of my employees, Andy, who works with me, he was, he was actually one of my students at UF. You know, he is getting his whole degree online through University of Florida. So, you know, you don't even have to actually go to a campus, which makes it easier in some ways, but it also is taking away that experience. Yeah. Yeah, for but, you sure. Know, you have choices now that, that we didn't have.
0: Yeah. And so books and libraries, I've heard of those. I'm trying to think of like where I'd heard of those at books and yeah, libraries. Yeah. I'll to Google that. I'll Google that when I'm all done here. I think exactly. I'm, I I'm so, so familiar. No, I'm, I'm being facetious, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's kind of, it is kind of awesome. So, and so you actually have a student that actually was part of your course at, at, uh, at the university in Florida, and now they're actually helping you work for your company.
1: Yeah, I actually have two of my former students working, three of my former students working with me. Ah, That's yeah.
0: awesome. Like internship style or actually work for you? Work for me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you kind of knew what they were get. That's kind of nice. You Because I taught at UCLA as well. So I, I didn't. Now, I only did it for a few quarters and I'm still in their system. But I, it's funny. Like, I don't. I'm trying to think of any of those. I don't know. I don't know if I would have hired any of them. Not that they were bad people by any means, but they were, it was a, most of the people that I taught were a later class. So that the idea of it was people that are already in their profession, I guess. So it's not that I would have the opportunity to hire them, not that I wouldn't have hired them. Let me kind of rephrase that.
1: Yeah. Well, if you think about it, it's a great funnel, you know, if you are looking for yeah. interns or, oh, you know, sure. you can funnel them out also to anybody else that, you know, looking. And obviously I went to UF, but no, seriously, University of Florida from, the standpoint of college of journalism, the output of students. When somebody graduates from UF, they have the equivalent of somebody with two to three years experience. Uh, so,
0: so putting a quality product out yeah, there. Yeah, huh? definitely. Awesome, awesome. Well, tell us an interesting fact about yourself. Like growing up, like what was something that people would know? I mean, it's not anything to too private or too personal, unless you really want to go there. But like, what? Like, give us like a, like an interesting fact. Like nobody would know that this.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a couple I could think of. So one, when I was going to school at UF, one of the ways that I put myself through school, again, the whole like entrepreneurship, I guess started early is I started hand painting t-shirts and started selling them to the sorority girls. And that's how I ended up like making all my extra money for through school. So that was, um, that company was called Designs by Lisa. So that was kind of fun. And then one interesting fact after I graduated, when I just got into the the professional world, was um, I was working for a family-owned business, and Florida Trend had a contest for Florida's Toughest Boss. So we entered my boss at the time, and he won. (laughs) And I ended up quitting that job because he was so ridiculous, but it actually was a, a huge learning experience, and I ran into him about six months ago, and I thanked him, you know, I said, Mark, you actually gave me a lot of experience early on that if I wasn't working for somebody, you know, as tough as you, and I'm saying tough, like, really yeah, nice yeah, yeah. I'm sure
0: there's <laughs> other terms. Yeah, 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 you're like,
1: mm, yeah, go for it, will be shy. Effing yeah, asshole yeah. that you yeah, were, yeah, yeah. you know, I just, I learned a lot from him and you know it kind of goes back also i mean he didn't apologize but he was not a happy person at the time so you just you don't know so what comes out of you when you're not happy you're kind of like making everybody else around you also unhappy and you don't even realize it so he was a smart businessman but definitely didn't have to be as tough as he was
0: <laughs> yeah i think for me you know it's funny so i I lead with a gentle hand, like I'm always very jovial and very, you know, well, I guess we should probably ask my employees, of course, I can say that I'm always jovial. But I mean, I think 90% of the time that I I feel like I because I've been in situations where you've had bosses where I've had bosses that I that I feel like I'm expendable, they don't care that they're they're rough. And I'm a very, I I don't know how to put it like I'm I don't put up with a lot of crap from people, right? Like what I mean by that is like, I'm the nicest person in the world. Until somebody comes and either wants to take advantage of me or talks down to me when they have no reason to, mm. then I'm like, then the Irish red beard comes out and then <laughs> it's like, ah, you know, I'm like, no, not today. Like, you're, you gotta. I have no problem with constructive criticism, but you just have to be very careful with the way that you come at me with things. There's no yeah. reason to be that way, right? So I think yeah. there is some value in that. I mean, I, you know, I think there is some value in learning that and having somebody like that in your life. But at that time, you're like, man, how do I get out of this thing? Like, you got to be kidding me because it's just because it, nobody really once again, constructive criticism and saying, hey, this is how you improve things. And if you're a little emotional on occasion, to me, it's like, hey, that's okay. But to like, just to be that way, because then you have to assume as you said, like you have to assume that you're just not happy with life, right? There's just so many things that are going on. And you're taking that down to your employees, which is not helpful for your business, not helpful at at too many angles, especially if you learned a lot from him. I mean, but the other thing too, is you also learn what not to be like, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you learn how to deal with difficult people and You know, when somebody's toxic, you know, how not to get toxic back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There are some definitely valuable lessons in that. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things I always think about is like they have, um, not to get into religion, but like Mormons and some other folks where they knock on doors and, you know, I think, God, that's the hardest job, but it also makes them into excellent salespeople Yeah. because it's very difficult. So I think growing up, like I had to knock on doors and I'm not Mormon, but when I would knock on doors, it was very difficult. Or when I would make phone calls, I'm like, God, I hate this. But it, it put me in a situation from a psychology standpoint where I know how to work with people or deal with people or how to, you know, make a situation the way that I want it to look. And I mean, there was just a lot of interesting stuff that happened from doing the stuff that I absolutely hated, right? So I'm sure you going into work was like, oh my God, I do not want to go into work today because I got to go deal with Mark and we all know what Mark is. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, one of those deals. So that's interesting. That's cool. That's cool. That's well, at least you made it through that, right? It made you who you are today. So it oh, yeah. to have been a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Awesome. And then where do you currently live? Are you still in the Miami area?
1: No. So I live in Celebration, Florida. So if you haven't heard of Celebration, it's located in central Florida. we uh, right out five minutes outside Disney. It's actually a Disney uh, developed town. So I live in Disney World.
0: <laughs> so how can okay, no, this, no, this is intriguing. So we're like, I'll skip over content to talk about this all day. So, so it's really Disney, like actually made the development. Yeah. And so is it very heavy Disney themed
1: it's not a Disney theme. It's um, it's just developed by Disney, but it's, you know, everything's kind of like perfect and beautiful and architecture is, you know, it's a beautiful town to live in. You know, if you have, you have kids, especially because it's, like, mm. you know, almost like you're in like a little bit of a bubble. So that could be a good and bad thing. But so Disney was started in like about 25 years ago. And so Disney isn't actually involved in the town anymore, but they they gave the land and had their hand in in everything, and so yeah. If you're ever in the Orlando area, definitely come visit Celebration, Florida. It's beautiful, and i um, you have Starbucks. Anybody who's Florida. listening,
0: <laughs> Celebrations, but well, I don't have to remember. Well, I've, right when you said Celebration, you said like Disney put together. I was like, well, it's Celebration, like that makes total sense. Like, yeah. why? What other name would you use for a town other than Celebration? If what a perfect Disney? name, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Excellent. So. Tell us a little bit, like, how did the transition start? You obviously talked about Mark. We know Mark is infamous, so if Mark yeah. is here in this, Mark, we don't, you know, Mark, be nice to people in the future. But either, how was your transition out of college? Like, what did you do out of college to be able to get to where you're at today? Like, I, obviously, we know you have the buyer group. But, yeah. like, give us a little bit of that transition. Like, how? what was your journey?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's amazing how really every decision that you make leads to the bigger picture, like literally from even your, so my first job out of school, the market was really bad. The job market was very bad at the time. And so I just ended up um, actually getting a job as a, um, like an admin job for a company called Arvita. They were building a huge, I don't know if you're being in Florida, Weston, do you remember living in? Oh yeah. Yeah. So they developed Weston. So I just got this very entry level position, but The senior executives, they could see that I was definitely overqualified. So they kind of took me under their wing and gave me these like, you know, little projects to do. And I did. And then somebody there, you know, knew somebody and I got a job working as the first employee of a very small PR agency, which when you're the first employee, that's, it's an awesome experience because you're literally learning everything everything A to Z of what goes into an agency from billing to everything like the admin stuff, filing, um, pitching. So I was able to get a lot of really good experience. And my boss at the time, Julie, she was a former journalist reporter. So she really taught me that style of PR where you're thinking like a journalist. Um, And that's really hard to teach somebody. You know, you don't really get that unless you're working with somebody that was a former reporter or you were doing it yourself. You know, so that kind of was the next build. And then I went and worked for the family owned business And Mark was my boss. And then I ended up like literally, you know, just quitting that job after about a year and just without another job. And I just started freelancing. But that wasn't really my point wasn't to start my own agency. But my first client was Arvita, my first job. So they heard that I was freelancing. And, you know, then the freelancing just turned into an agency. You know, I started picking up clients and getting help, like different divisions of our VITA, their country club, their athletic club. So, you know, it's amazing. You know, some of my friends were like, oh, you're taking an admin job. You have a college degree. I'm like, well, if you make the most of it, you don't never know what can come of it. And so it was just basically the beginning of my agency being able to pick up significant clients. And, you know, that really like paved the way for new business development and establishing myself.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So I, mean, I think you know it's funny. I think you could make like just. being, people say just being an admin, but the thing is, is like if you have drive and you leave at least somebody in the company that recognizes that, then you can move up fast. I think it's just getting your foot in the door, you know. And once again, it was a small enough company, I think, that you had some eyeballs on you and some people recognize that. You know, if you do that for say, a company's got ten thousand employees, it become a lot more difficult to be seen, right? I mean, people are like, hey, just come and do your admin work and then get out of here. I think, especially with all the different roles that you had and the things that you were doing, I think that's really awesome. You get that opportunity.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely, And that, that was my first agency that I started. I had a partner who was a graphic artist. So that our differentiating factor was, you know, we were able to bring branding to the PR services. So that set us apart from other PR agencies at the time.
0: Mm, gotcha. So, okay. So obviously you had a lot of experience. I mean, how long have you had the buyer group for?
1: So the buyer group, it was established in 2005. And prior to that, my first agency was called l l Communications. My partner was Lisa L L, you know? Hello. Um, Hello. yeah. And then we had another partner buy in and that transitioned to a, a new identity. It was um, Moxie group. And then those partners just decided they went in different directions. So I kind of absorbed the clients and rolled it into the buyer group. And it was um actually perfect timing because we had attracted a lot of tech clients, a lot of dot it was during the big dot com boom and bust. (laughs) So we we started doing um, PR for these dot-com clients, and that really was a super critical turning point because we had to go from, you know, in a PR agency, you have a year to do a campaign or six months, condense that down to, okay, they're trying to get investment investors, you know, to invest. So it was boiled down to a week. Like we had to like get PR fast. So that really taught me the digital side and how to like use Google to leverage. And, you know, I was doing SEO and PR before I really knew what SEO was, you know, just all these little hacks. So, you know, that was, I kind of, I saw the light of like the possibility of optimizing public relations using and leveraging search. So that led me in the direction of, you know, becoming as proficient as possible in SEO that I could apply it to public relations. And that was a huge, you know, kind of, it's not that different today, uh, but still agencies, PR agencies, agencies today are still, in my opinion, very much archaic. They're not really optimizing like they can leverage search and social.
0: Yeah, I think there's a huge, huge piece that they're missing. I know that for a fact, because I have a lot of companies that will come and say, hey, we're going to hire this PR company. And I'm like, yeah, but you're a tech company. Like, it, There's just a lot, unless they have those relationships, because a lot of it's old school PR, which can work, right? I'm not saying radio doesn't work and TV can't work and stuff like that, but you really have to be savvy online. Not all the time, but I think a good percentage of the time you want a presence there and you want somebody that knows what they're doing in regards to that. So it sounds like you have both those, huh? Yeah, awesome.
1: definitely. So so the difference between the buyer group and other traditional PR agencies is we really use search and social as part of the PR strategy as much as it makes sense to match the um, the brand's business goals and objectives. So I just feel like there's a huge opportunity also for media outreach, which there wasn't 10 years ago. So Mm. the number of blogs, the number of podcasts, the number of media outlets online, if you like, you know, just visualize how much that has grown. It's crazy. So there is still definitely a place for media outreach and leveraging that with using search and using social to reach your audience, whether it's the journalist or just your personas, you know, is something that is critical today to really reach your audience in an organic way.
0: So how did the, and you obviously you've authored, I think, well, you've got the social PR secrets was a book that you authored. Did you write that book because you said, my God, there's a huge need in the industry. And it's like, I kind of feel like I need to get some stuff out there. Or was this something where you're saying, Hey, I'm going to develop this book. And it was kind of a lead generation type thing. So then people can read it and go, Hey, this looks like Lisa's the person I want to work with. And I mean, what was your purpose behind writing the book?
1: Yeah. Well, the first edition I think published in 2013. So that one was literally, it came from me just saying the same thing over and over again and educating clients educating you know I did a lot of speaking and I still do doing workshops and, you know, so I thought, okay, instead of saying the same thing over and over again, let me put this into a neatly packaged book. And, you know, it started out, I wish I could show you the difference between like first version and now the, the fourth right. edition and the fourth edition is yeah. like that. And, you know, it was just a compilation. I had to update it every couple of years because things change in social. So it's a mix of evergreen public relations sprinkled with um, search and social tactics to, you know, get more exposure, get more reach, do it organically, and also, you know, sometimes put a layer of paid on top of it. So uh, I was super excited also for the fourth edition to get, so Guy Kawasaki wrote the foreword for it. And, you know, that really just like, I was so honored. I still am so honored from that because he's such an icon. And he's also a believer in social media and the power of it, but also the power of public relations and doing it the right way.
0: Yeah, well, he's definitely an advocate for that, right? I mean, he's done a phenomenal job for himself in regards to building a brand and, and kind of putting it out there. I Many mean, time guy puts his stamp on something, I think things go pretty well last time I check. So, okay, so we talked about, so you rewrote the book and obviously the reason we're talking today is about like video content, right? That's yeah. kind of the, the premise of this. So where do you feel like the biggest places that businesses are missing out when it comes to video content? Like, is there something other than producing the videos? But like, what do you think? Like, if you say, if you look at most businesses, most businesses are missing out on this part of the video or missing this in their video strategy.
1: Well, I think that um, just in general, I think the majority of businesses aren't taking advantage of video and that's a decision now. So video isn't a secret. It's not like video is like chatbots today. You know, maybe how do we do it? Yeah. yeah. We can understand why maybe not every single company is taking advantage of messenger and chatbots, but you know, video is no secret. So not doing video is a conscious decision. And so if you're not doing video, you know, somebody needs to figure that part out for that brand. So if you are doing video, the good news is not everybody's doing it, so you can, you know, it's it's not saturated, right? It's not like oh, mobile, you know, like of course everything needs to be mobile today, right? Yeah. So I just feel like brands need to incorporate video that makes sense for them and maybe start in small steps. I think that, you know, one easy area to start in is Facebook live because you don't need to have any special equipment. It's free. You can do it from your mobile device. You can do it from your desktop. Like we are right now, you can repurpose it, download it, upload it to YouTube. You can turn it into a podcast. I mean, there's just so many ways that you can easily jump into video and just start with something as easy as Facebook live. It is, you know, a little bit more saturated than it was a year or two ago but video in general is not saturated
0: yeah I think that's the things we this is a common thing that I talk about with you know entrepreneurs and people that have their own business you know and instructors as well or talked to a number of instructors it's like you know yeah. that's really the deal is it doesn't have to be perfect it really doesn't and just start and I know it's uncomfortable your first video is gonna suck that's the only thing you can guarantee like I mean it's like you just got to do it. You know, it's like anything else. I, I think that's the hardest part is like, like just doing some, like you said, like live is like Facebook lives easy, right? I mean, you click a button, you're live and then there we go. It doesn't have to be overly prepared or, you know, have the whole camera crew set up and you're spending 10 grand to do a video. Like, I mean, there's the resource with your phone. You can do anything, like literally do anything. I mean, you yeah. should just make phone calls. Now you can do everything except make phone calls almost. You know, it's like, it's just, it's pretty crazy. I think the thing is, is just getting that start, hitting that start button.
1: It is. It's hitting the start button. And and also I see this with larger companies. It's harder for larger companies to hit the start button because there's Mm -hmm. so many approvals that need to get to take place. And so that's going to hurting the larger companies, just like larger companies getting into social. Like, you know, now, of course, every brand is on social, but... When social first started popping up, not every brand was incorporating social. They're like, oh, let's just get, let the intern do it type of thing. Or, you know, we can wait on that. Let's not invest in that.
0: We know how well that turns out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. So I was kind of thinking about this in regards from like a marketing perspective. Like a, if I was a marketer and you like if they were already doing some video, like or let's say they weren't doing some video. I mean, do you think the business and the marketers are the same in the sense that like a business should just start and the marketer says, hey, listen, I mean, should they just how, how would they integrate video into their strategies? Is it kind of the same thing as the business, do you think?
1: Well, I, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, using video to tell your story. I'm just coming from the PR perspective. You know, if you have news, get on Facebook Live and announce it let the video allow you to share your news. so you can use it as basic as that. And that is pretty basic. If you announce, maybe you're launching a book, you know, maybe you're launching a course. So using video and, you know, I have some examples of marketers that are, I think doing great jobs with video, just announcing announcing it or going live or just interacting with their audience, doing an ask me anything for 15 minutes, you know, is a great way to just have like natural interaction with your audience.
0: That's awesome. And I think we'll probably, I think we'll probably touch on that a little later because I think that is important to touch on in regards to like, I want to talk to you maybe about the marketers or the people that are doing a great job in regards to their, their video strategies as well. But I did want to talk to you about, you have a um, one of your new projects. So you're you're a little crazy in regards to projects because you're, you might be in the same, maybe graduated from the same school I did. Like, Hey, we can't have enough projects and we have to keep doing project on top of projects. So I don't know if you're on any medication because I know that I should be. <laughs> so I was going to probably ask you that off off the podcast, if there's anything <laughs> to, to slow down this, this process in our brain, but we'll figure that out one day. I figure naturally I'll just naturally slow down somehow. I'll get hit by a rock or something like that. And then pop back up a few hours later but so tell us about so we got digital detox secrets right and so you had tell us a little bit about that I mean really what you're looking at is how to how to really be more productive and increase your happiness right because I think obviously these days digital is everywhere right and I think there's some value to it but it's also like drinking water out of a fire hose right I mean there's so much out there and you get very easy I man I get these updates on my iPhone and hey Shane you were on your phone you know 17 hours this week and I'm like oh my god that's so unproductive like you know some of the stuff I'm responding stuff and doing things but I, I'm assuming that's what you're looking at. Is like, how do you maybe optimize your life? Are you being more productive, and but you still include this stuff called happiness, which I, I think that is something that's very important in this whole process. Tell us a little bit about what you got going on there.
1: Yeah, so Digital Detox Secrets was actually um, came about when I was writing Social PR Secrets. So I was having a hard time finishing the first edition, and I had a business coach say, Lisa, just he knew I did yoga. He said, Go, you know, drop your daughter off at school, go straight to a yoga studio straight from the yoga studio, go to the closest coffee shop with your laptop and just write for two hours, three days a week. Okay. So I had been working on my book for about a year and I did that for 30 days and I finished the first edition. So it just made me realize that you can sit in front of a computer and try to write, or you can create space in kind of your brain and like get to a mental place where the writing just like flows out. And so I just realized, like that's a great example, like of creating space in your life when your life is super busy, that it's actually going to help you and be more productive. That's kind of where the original idea came from. And then you know I have teenage daughters, you know stress and anxiety from a parenting and just in a teenager standpoint, you know I thought, hey, I'm a social media expert, I my daughter, you know, is going to be on Snapchat and Instagram. Like I can handle this. Like I understand what's going on, but there's so much that even as much as you might know that that's going on in, in teenagers life right now. So that really inspired me from a parenting standpoint. So the book is, is divided up into three sections, business, personal and parenting somewhat. So for the business, it's more for the entrepreneur, you know, how are we going to balance out like being on 24 seven because everybody expects us to, you know, a mompreneur that is maybe being challenged with work-life balance to parents who are just also looking for help and support and how they can help their kids manage this digital life that they're in without getting taken down by depression and anxiety and stress. I mean, those are real things.
0: God, it's crazy. Like, I can't imagine, because junior high and high school are just hard, especially for girls. But I just think it's just hard. Like, it's just never an easy time. And I can't imagine adding a layer of social media, because then it's like, well, at school, you have two people you're dealing with or something like that. But social media opens it up to the world, right? Like, you could be bullied or harassed or have anything that has a huge impact on you because you're very impressionable, right? Like everything that happens is like the worst thing ever that's ever happened. You, Johnny breaks up with you, you've been together two weeks, oh my God, it's, this is the worst day of my whole life, you know? But it's just, I just think I can't imagine that that extra layer. And I think you talking about that from a parenting perspective, but also from a business perspective is important because I don't think parents really understand like that extra layer of yeah. what that means, like what that yeah. brings to how it like is things are already confusing at that age and it makes it 10 times more confusing. Right. Sure. Cause now you have all these other things and these pressures and stuff that you do. And I mean, I felt that a little bit like with social media and stuff, like, Oh, you got to be here and you gotta do this. And you know, you get this anxiety of like, oh, I've got to, you know, a new platform. I got to jump on there. I got to do this. Or I got to do that. And it's like, there becomes a point where I'm like, you know what? I just don't want to be on 10,000 platforms. Right. And I don't have the bandwidth for that. And I don't necessarily have to be, yeah. right. I don't have to be on TikTok. I just don't, right? I mean, of course, great, that's a new hot place where everybody's at and it's a real young demographic, but that's not my demographic, so I don't have to do that. So I think it's interesting when you talk about detox because I think that is, you know, I know people, and I, my wife is very strategic about detox, and what I mean by that is she, will we'll go to like a resort that's like in the middle of nowhere, and she'll be like, "Oh, we're gonna go like to Lake Tahoe," and I go, like, oh, "Sounds good." And I'm like, "This isn't Lake Tahoe," and they're like, "Oh, cell reception was gone like 45 minutes ago." And she kind of looks at me and goes, "Oh, I didn't know that," and I'm like, "Oh, you didn't, did you?" Little yeah. Little detox for Shane. Yeah. When I got another another funny thing, so my wife and we always she always goes, "Are you gonna bring your girlfriend on our trip?" And my girlfriend is my laptop, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. she dubbed it my girlfriend, and so. Anytime she's like, "Well, you're gonna bring your girlfriend." I'm like, "Where are we going?" And She goes, "You're not gonna have reception." I'm like, "Okay, well then I won't bring my girlfriend." I guess I'll leave my girlfriend at home, which is super awkward to say out loud when my wife's asking me, "Were well, you gonna bring your girlfriend?" And I'm like, and I, I don't really have a girlfriend, obviously, but it's just a laptop that I'm very close to. But interesting, interesting. So that's and how long have you been doing that for the detox?
1: Um, well, I'm finishing writing it this summer, so I'm sending it off to the publisher at the end of July, and hopefully it'll be out. Like I'm hoping around September ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. And so I have another question for you. So we're going to, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, like kind of talk about the video stuff a little more as well, because are you like, what kind of videos do you see there for yourself or for clients? You do a lot of video work, I guess that's probably my next question.
1: I do. Yeah. So it's just part of the PR strategy, whether it's for myself or for a client.
0: Yeah. got to be in the screen for sure. Mm -hmm. And then what kind of videos, I mean, I guess I'm sure this depends on the client, but like, if you'd like how to videos, educational videos, like what have you seen that have performed well? I mean, is there anything that you said, wow, for these types of clients, we've done these kind of videos and it's absolutely crushed?
1: Yeah. So I think right now trending is the docu series or the web series. So one of my clients is launching a video called Pay the Invoice. And it's um, basically, she brought on seven agency owners, um, brought them to New Zealand. Her name's Kat Howell. I don't know. Ah. Yeah. So she's creating, she's launching Pay the Invoice. So it's basically a docuseries following her and these agency owners around where she's um, basically you know, taking them under her wing and showing them the ins and outs of running an agency, optimizing your agency. Um, so it's following them through. So I think it's a super creative example of um, you know, creating a, a docu-series or a web series. Another example that you know, a bigger brand would be Deepak Chopra and Oprah Winfrey. So they launch every, I don't know if you follow them, but they just launched today the 21-day meditation program that's free. So it's free for the 21 days, as long as you start on day one, and you you know keep doing it each day. But you know, once it's day five, day one isn't, isn't available anymore. So it's basically like an intro to this package that at the end, they end up selling it, you know, for 2095 or something like that. So you get to do, do it for, you know, the first launch for free for 21 days. It's not exactly video, but that's the same idea as the docu series or the web series where they're dropping one video a day. That's, you know, it's a story that has a beginning and an end, or it's part of a series, you know, maybe it's anti-aging. And so each day is focusing on a different subject within anti-aging it's free. And then at the end, it expires. And then if somebody wants to buy the whole series, they can. And then it comes with the program and a package and, you know, different types of, of yeah. content. But you get the idea. So the docuseries is, um, you know, super creative and super trending right now. And um, a lot to be learned from some of the the major filmmakers that are doing it and doing a great job.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that Oprah, I didn't know that they had that. That came out. It came out today, huh? 21 yeah. days. Yeah. I love the I know that's always really awesome. Like when they do the thing where you have to watch this and then if you don't, then you miss out on it and then you lose. I mean, because by the end of that, you have somebody that's 21 days, it's pretty much they've developed a habit of watching this. And so now they're, you know, the likelihood of them, you're going through the thousand people, right? And you're going to the 500 people that are absolute soldiers and that finished whole thing and then are ready to go on to that next step. So I can imagine the conversion rate at the end of that thing. You've gone through 21 days on day 22, you're like, like, what do I need to do to pay for this? thing? Exactly. Like oh, You gotta be kidding me. Like what, you know, just take yeah. my card for God's sakes and give me day. you know, give me my 22nd video or whatever.
1: Right, right. And then, you know, it's beyond whatever that is. So maybe they're getting, you know, more of, um, you know, more content or books or things like that, that go along with it. And then also, you know, just imagine like, you know, the retargeting opportunity for everybody that's watched the video, you know, you're oh, it's yeah. just so, um, it's, it's definitely something that is trending and, you know, if you even Google docu-series, there's not that much information on it right now. So huh, that's what I'm hot on.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's kind of awesome. So who would you like, in your opinion, who's like crushing their video marketing strategies right now? Like who do you look at and go, okay, I need to be like that when I get older or something like they They're just doing like an awesome job.
1: Yeah, well, I already mentioned, if you just look at Digital Distillery, Cat Howells, Pay the Invoice um, and kind of follow that. Like, she, it's, I mean, I just think it's brilliant. So GoPro, I think is they kind of set this, set the like this whole like video craze up. But if you, I don't know if you go back and you, you followed like any of how, how they did their video marketing. So one thing they did is they um, you know, they start all their videos out with, Hey, is this thing working? You know, like they, you know, so it's almost like so authentic that it's looks yeah. like it's a mistake, but what they ended up doing is they released their intros and their outs you know, made them public so that anybody could just go and create this, their video, their GoPro video using their intros and outs. So they had all of this like incredible user generated content that all of their brand lovers made. I mean, how brilliant is that?
0: Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, once you have people <laughs> that are naturally putting right? out their content and, and they're like setting them up to be successful at like, it doesn't get any better.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think they're doing an amazing job. And then another example of the whole docu-series, so if you go to sacredscience.com, they do a great job also in creating these, these videos where it's a, you know, one hour of free video based on a theme. And then, you know, it's the, you know, that's the free giveaway. And then that yeah. leads to the, you know, it's like, you don't really have to sell if you're capable of telling a great story is basically the gist of, of what they're doing.
0: Yeah, it's that's all about awesome. storytelling. Yeah, I mean, making it easy for them to do it. That's the key, right? If Because like, people are naturally lazy. And so it's like, if you can get people to make it easy, make it a no brainer, it's like, how do I kind of get this content out? And, and you know, the quicker and the faster, the better is awesome. There's really it's a, it's a win win for the brand for sure.
1: And it doesn't, you know, you don't have to be GoPro, you don't have to have this huge budget. I mean, just one easy kind of way you could you could do what I'm talking about where you're creating something free to sell something that's paid so I could do a 30 minute video sharing some of my social PR secrets that's free you know and then the lead up to that is to buy the book if you want more you know you got to give it away
0: yeah, it is. I mean, and it, and that's what's funny. We started that probably seven years ago or maybe eight years ago when I started my blog was, I was like, I think we need to just give more information, like give it everything. And people are like, you got to be kidding me, but then everybody's gonna know what you do. And I'm like, yeah, but if they read it and they can do it, they're going to do it anyway. It's like real at the end of the day. Right. So it's like, I, that's how we kind of jumped or I kind of jumped into the thought leadership stuff was because we just started giving out information and said, Hey, let's just, you know, we'll pull in leads if people want. And naturally, I don't need to sell them anything. I can need to go, I want them to go, wow, this Shane guy seems to be pretty smart. And You know, then, hey, we want to reach out to him because we've read his blog posts and that kind of stuff. And that's, I've talked about this in the past, but that's how I got my job at UCLA. It was not because I applied for the job, it's because they reached out to me and said, hey, we want somebody that is, it was a personal branding, how to be an influencer course. We want somebody as a practitioner. So I wasn't writing that content. If I had that content out there, there was, there would have been no knock on my door for for that. Right. So it's, that's what's interesting.
1: It's very similar. That's how I ended up teaching at UF for a few years because I wrote Social PR Secrets. And they didn't want somebody that was just teaching out of a textbook, social media. You know, they wanted somebody that was out there practitioner and, you know, could share real stories and getting it,
0: getting it, getting it done. Yeah. That's awesome. So what video marketing tools can you not live without? I mean, is there any video marketing tools? I mean, I know you talk a little bit about Facebook live. Is there anything else you like, you tell your clients like, Hey, you, you do this and you have to, you know, here goes some, here goes some tools that I think your tool set that you use.
1: Yeah, sure. So be live is my go-to. So in, to do my Facebook lives, I use Live. So it's a platform that allows you to um, kind of do different types of interviews. So it would be like a split screen where you could then, you know, like kind of like CNN type, or news, yeah. you know, you can interview multiple people at the same time and you have different sliders up. So that allows you to kind of like tell the story while you're doing the video. So that's one. This other one is called Lumen5. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's amazing. So, you know, how many clients or, you know, brands are like we said, oh, we're not doing video yet, but we know it's important, but we're not doing it. We just don't have the, the resources. Well, if you have a blog or, you you know, any this Lumen5, you, you just put the URL of the blog post into it and it creates a video from your blog post. It's amazing. You have to check it out.
0: Wow. Lumen5. Now yeah. well, that might become my new best friend. Yeah.
1: It'll take like your subheads and turn it into a short video. I mean, it's and you can bring in the images from your blog or you can bring in stock images. That's, I mean, that's like a no brainer.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, let's put it this way. I'm so excited about it that I'm doing a Google search as we podcast. So that's, yeah. that's how excited I am. <laughs> I'll have to check that out when, when we get off here.
1: Yeah. And then my other kind of like hack, I guess you could call it when I'm doing my own videos. So I'm part of a bunch of mastermind Facebook groups and I'll do office hours once a week and then I'll have com. people are asking questions. So I like, instead of to just respond with a comment, I'll create a video for the response. And I really just to kind of get creative. I use Snapchat to create videos because of the filters and the the different lenses that you could use just yeah. to create like yeah, a, yeah. Vi- a video selfie of me, you know, explaining something or answering a comment or you know just to give it a little bit of like creativity. So you can also do it in Instagram. You could create your videos, um, you know, using Instagram um, Stories filters as well. You don't doesn't doesn't have to go live. You just download it to your camera roll and then you upload it to you know whatever you're using. Another Like, I really love this idea of using um, video to kind of, um, when you send a proposal, like just to walk through a proposal with somebody, you know, it's just gives it a very personalized touch.
0: So I'm I'm smiling because that's what we do. And that was like one of my, yeah, that's absolutely, we use Loom. So uh-huh. there's a, you know, so yeah. we use Lumen. So what we do is, I, that's exactly what I'll do is I'll go, hey, here goes the proposal. Hey, guys, want to run through the proposal with you, John? Hey, it was nice meeting you the other day. And then the people watch the video and you can see if they watch the video. And it is very personal because when you send a proposal, it's like, oh, with this, if you mean this? Or what was this? And when when is, I'm really confused on one part And with this. It's like, you know, then you, they don't want to jump on the call again. It's like, I can just clearly within two minutes, three minutes, yeah. I can explain everything, let them know, Hey, some people are worried about this. There's not a problem with that because of this. These are some of the things you want to look out worth this. And it's just, a real easy way to be able to to get in contact with people and have more of a personal touch to it, right? Because an email is very dry and very like, oh, this guy just wants my money. But if you add a little personality behind it and do that kind of stuff. So we've, we're, I mean, I'm a loom I'm abuser. Like I think I probably have like 900 videos on, like between my team and everything. I do a video for everything. Like if somebody writes a long email, I'll just answer it in, a, in a thing. I'm like, hey guys, this is going to be a lot easier for me. I'm just going to answer this in a video and I can send it over to them within a minute. Yeah, it's I, so I much love easier.
1: Yeah. yeah, for sure. Long emails are my pet peeve. (laughs) I hate when somebody sends me long emails.
0: It drives me through the roof. Like there's very few things that drive me nuts. But if you send me an email that's got like 19 questions, I'm just, I shut down. Like I'm just like, okay, you know that I have a small attention span. Like you you can tell from the way that I talk. I talk fast. I want to move fast. I'm always in sixth gear. But you ask me 19 questions. And it just tries to be batty. I'm like, okay. I'll, I mean, I'll assign it to one of my team members and say, hey, I, you guys need to help me out with this. Answer 14 of them and I'll answer the five that like take my, that, you know, that I have to because it just, to me, it's just like the, a respect of time as well. Like it's like, you know, don't, why are you asking me that many questions? Like we could jump on a call real quick or something. So I don't know. Anyways, yeah. so clients, you send me 19 questions, just know that I secretly don't like you, which <laughs> you, you just did to me done. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why it keeps going to spam. That's so crazy. Anything over four questions that goes to spam or it gets deleted. It's so weird. My computer has this weird thing. I don't know who trained it to do that. So odd. Probably me actually.
1: Yeah. And working with the media, you know, and you know, you have to be brevity is key, you know, you just have to get to the yeah. point. And so, you know, I just put myself in the position of when I'm receiving emails, you know, like you said, like your bandwidth is whatever it is, Um, you know, the media, the same thing. So like when I'm sending emails to clients or anybody, I'm trying to be super respectful of like, okay, what's the point? Like we don't have to get into all the nitty gritty. Yeah.
0: No, no, just keep it short and sweet. I love those emails. In fact, don't even have to put a period on it. For me, like, I'm just like, just hit me with the facts. Like I don't Mm -hmm. need a long, I had one guy one of them, this is one of my old, he'll never know because I had hundreds of employees for this business, but one of my old businesses, this guy used to send me crazy long emails. His name is Jeff. I won't say his last name, but, and he used to send me his emails that would send me into a tizzy because he was very like analytical and he would just explain everything. Like Shane, I wanted to, it was great seeing you the other day. I'm sitting in my chair and I was thinking about this as I'm, you know, reading this. I'm like, dude, just please just send me what you want. Like, just hit me with a few questions. And it used to drive me nuts and I told him I was like, Hey bud, like I love you to death, man. Like you're just your brain is like very different than mine, but like anything over like four questions, you're gonna cause me to have to like heavily medicate myself or something. So I, yeah. I just need you to like just get to the point and he couldn't do it. Yeah. And so I finally, I think I fired him, but no, not really. <laughs> I, think, I think he stayed around for a little while. But so it was one of the things that used to drive me nuts. It's like, oh no, no, just keep it short and sweet. Let's just let's just keep it short and sweet. That's better for everything. So, we have, you know, when we talk about video marketing, what is the one thing that you see like marketers doing wrong? Is there anything that you look at, you think, God, I wish they would quit doing that. Is there anything that like just gets your goat
1: Well, I mean, I just think when you see marketers or brands just trying to sell too hard, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't really need to sell if you're telling a good story is basically, you know, the point. And I got that inspiration from Ron Lynch. And, you know, it's just, if you're putting in the hard sale, then you're probably, it's probably going to ruin the video.
0: Yeah, because people should know what you do for the most part, right? If they yeah. need, I mean, if they need to figure that out, they're going to go and look, yeah. look you up and see you do this, you do that. But really, you're selling your expertise, or knowledge. And if they want to come and ask about services, that should be, you know, it's icing on the cake, right? I mean, the idea is to show that thought leadership and people go, God, who would I need to hire for PR? Oh, it's Lisa, who I've been listening to the last 50 videos, right? I mean, right.
1: And I mean, definitely always, you know, you should always be selling, but it doesn't have to feel like that, right? It doesn't, it doesn't have to come across like that. But yeah, always be selling, but, you know, just make it make it make them feel like they're really you're able to give relevant content that is helpful to them one day you know like you said they'll come to you and you know hire you You yeah stick with you
0: you have to realize it's about them it's not about you right i mean i think that's always the big thing is people want to like oh but i want to tell them what i do but nobody cares what you do they don't, because there's ten thousand people that do what you do, unless you do something that unique. But if they want to find you, they can. It's really you're ever you should be everywhere, and people can come and find you, look your name up, do this or do that. You yeah. don't need to over like overcompensate by telling people what you do every time you want to talk about what you do.
1: Yeah, I think another mistake that I see clients doing is that everything you know they want everything to be perfect. They can't go live or hit the play button or you know do the video thing until they have this lighting and this camera and this, you know, area to do it in, or, you know, it's just, it reminds me of kind of like SEO where, you know, there's surveys of CMOs and CEOs and they always say, oh, SEO is super important. And yes, it's a high priority, but are they investing in SEO? You know? They're not creating the time for it. So I just see brands knowing that video is important. They know it's critical, but they're either overanalyzing it and, you know, it's like analysis paralysis or they're just um, basically trying to be perfect and everything. And then, you know, six months has gone by.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, perfection is is the killer of anything creative. Yeah. So what else are you working on? So I, I uh, rumor has it you're working on a, a thing, little disruptorscom Is that, tell me a little bit about that project because obviously I didn't get my invitation because I'm a male, um, which I get. I'm not, oh, not going to hold that against open you. open to oh, males
1: it? who are female disruptor what? supporters. <laughs>
0: ah, well, hey, there we go. All right, I'm in there. That's all I had to do is ask on the podcast. So yeah. Tell me a little
1: bit about your project. Yeah, so um, I got super inspired slash very annoyed, you know, when the whole Me Too movement came about, and it definitely touched home for me. Having been a business owner in the, in the 90s, a female business owner in the 90s, I definitely put up with a shit that I shouldn't have to. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that was one inspiration. And then the whole Dr. Ford Cavanaugh situation, you know, that yeah. it just, I was like, okay, this is ridiculous too. And then equal pay. I just was like, you know, there's so many females out there that are disrupting in a very positive way. So this is just my way of featuring female disruptors, whether they're their own business owner, they're disrupting maybe in corporate America in a certain way and singling out, finding those and featuring them and lifting them up. That's number one, what we're doing on the site. And number two is we're going to be putting together um, a virtual summit of these female disruptors so that they can share their superpowers are and how they can inspire other women and also men, too. And we're also going to be featuring men who support female disruptors. And so, you know, it's, there's definitely men should get credit for helping. And I think that we're seeing change for sure. It's just needs to happen quicker.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's gonna be a little slow, but I, yeah, 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 for sure. But I think that's, I have another question for you. How big is your team? Cause you're, you've got like 46 projects that we've already talked about that you're like launching this year, maybe give or take a few, but like, how big is your team?
1: Yeah, so I have a staff of five. So we're a boutique agency. Mm. I use a whole team of of freelancers as well in addition to the five. So depending on the project and the client, you know i have somebody that helps with my my book publishing side of things and you know the female disruptors you know i have a team that's working with me on on that project that believe in it and you know are helping support it and and lift it up so it's not my main focus is the buyer group the agency yeah. side of things you know, i've really been focusing on the past year on scaling it up and leveraging my brand with it and just using these passion projects as you know you have to sound like you have a lot of projects going too. So I just love doing like things that are inspirational and also disruptive. And I, you know, I feel very passionate about digital and like how it can take down, whether you're a business owner or a parent or in relationship with somebody. So I just feel like that's my kind of way of like giving, like kind of almost like my therapy is yeah. putting this together. And then the whole female disruption thing, it just, you know. Hmm.
0: It just made sense. Well, I yeah. think the thing is too, sounds like you have good partnerships, right? The thing is, is you have, you don't need to be in there every day, but you have people that are passionate about what you, about your vision of what you want that to be. And then people are helping you with those projects, which makes sense because you can't, you know, it's difficult to be on in the middle of every single project. And, but I do think you can tell that a lot of your other projects or passion projects, right. Or something that kind of hits you over the head. And you're like, you know what, I'm going to have tons of time to do this, but I'm going to make it work. We're going to, we're going to figure this thing out. I'm going to build this thing and we're going to see who's going to be behind it. And then you naturally have people that want to help you with it. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah. And it also, it also develops the culture of the agency and also, you know, you attract what you put out. So, you know, I'm a big believer in health, wellness, you know, yoga, meditation. So I like to work with clients that either also believe that or have that that same chemistry, that same belief system, or those are the types of brands that I love to work with. Yeah, When it comes to female disruptors, you know, I want to support other female disruptors and like attracts like. So, you know, it, it's part of the culture in addition to being the passion project.
0: Yeah. You put it out in the universe. It comes yep. back to you. That's awesome. That's yep. awesome. I was raised by hippies, so I get all that. I love that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm raised in California. My family is always like, all right, let's sip this out. Let's hold hands. Let's hug. I'm like, hey, I like it. I'm a, I'm a big hugger. So that's where I'm all in for that. all that. Oh,
1: well, big hug out to you.
0: Yeah, big hug back to you. So tell us a little bit, obviously, you said you talk about yoga and talk about like balance and the other fun stuff. Like, so you're also a certified yoga instructor. How often do you do yoga?
1: I just did yoga today. I try to do it. I try to practice at least once a day, even if it's for five minutes. Not that I always do it every day, but that's the goal. And some people are just like, oh, I don't have time for yoga. It's a 90 minute class. So there's lots of ways to, um, you know, there's an app called our website called glow.com where you can put in how much time you have, what level. And like, I just did it this morning, you know, I had 30 yes. minutes. So I did it for 30 minutes. There's even a five minute class. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think it's the thing is that don't let any of that hold you back. Like the idea, and the same thing with reading, like, Oh, I don't, I don't have time to read for an hour All right, read for 10 minutes, like anything, like it just to disconnect. And, you know, because obviously yoga it helps you with balance. I mean, just mental instability and there's just a lot of things that, that help you in regards to that. Cause it, it takes you away from the real world and you're kind of doing your thing. And it's, and then I know for me, I mean, I do Pilates. Um, that's only because I was in CrossFit and I hurt myself and some, the higher aboves just told me, Hey Shane, you can't do any more physical sports for now for now.
1: Yeah. But Pilates is amazing for your body. Oh,
0: it's awesome. Like my core has probably never been this strong. Like I just, if I could just quit drinking beer, I'm sure there's a six pack underneath my stomach. (laughs) Like I'm pretty, pretty confident at this point that we're getting close to something potentially protruding through, but That's awesome. And you have like a virtual, don't you like a virtual summit or something like that for like yoga?
1: Yeah. So that's, um, I was teaching a class in virtual reality, a yoga and virtual reality class as part of like this beta program on all space VR and we're taking a break over the summer, but yeah. So, you know, part of my, um, you know, the agency type of industry that I work with I work with a lot of disruptive type of um, either types of brands or industries. And so, AR VR is definitely kind of like oh videos coming videos coming well AR VR is definitely coming it's just like when everybody actually is able to embrace it and that timing is is definitely coming we just don't know when so just my way of um, kind of being able to dabble in VR and AR and just actually like working with the technology working with the headset. You know, being able to integrate yoga, which I'm already you know teaching every once in a while, so it was able, it gave me the opportunity to immerse myself in these platforms like All Space VR, like Facebook Spaces. I don't know if you've tried that out yet, but you know, just it's where everything's going from a social standpoint for sure. So it just my way of kind of like
0: getting your foot in the door. Yeah, getting my foot yeah. in the door,
1: educating myself without going crazy.
0: And so what do you do? I mean, so is yoga your way to like recharge? Is there anything else that you like? I mean, because obviously you talk about, you know, detoxing and yoga and all the fun stuff. Like, how do you like, what do you do to recharge yourself? Is it usually yoga? Is that kind of your go to? Or is it, hey, we take a family vacation for two weeks. And I totally like don't use any internet. I don't use anything or like, what's your what's your secrets?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's I would say it's a mix. Like, you know, my husband and I are going on a vacation for 10 to 12 days where we're going on a cruise in Europe and purposely like, you know, the time zone difference itself is going to make us disconnect because we're not going to be able to be on when everybody else is on here. So we try to do one of those like at least once a year. Um, And then besides yoga, I use CBD oil as part of my um, daily dose of it. And it really does help whatever your body is needing. So If I'm really stressed, I'll just like take a little bit of it. If I want to go to sleep and get a good night's sleep, I'll take it before I go to sleep. Um, If I, you know, having a hard time focusing. So that actually kind of like, you've heard how meditation is the new superpower for CEOs for the C-suite. So I think that CBD oil is kind of like that next trend coming because it's health and wellness focused. I mean, now people in order to be, you know, it's not seen as cool to like stay up and work 24 seven, you know? People want, investors want to invest in companies where they have a healthy
0: balance. Healthy
1: balance. So, I mean, that's definitely like my newest thing that I I see working. And I get my sleep analytics on my Fitbit. So I'm able to see, I see a, a definite difference in my sleep quality ever since I started taking the CBD oil.
0: It's funny. So I'm, I use CBD as well, mm-hmm. mainly because I had some cannabis clients and, and stuff like that in the mm-hmm. industry. And so we're doing some stuff for some cannabis clients now, but I, it is, I I've found it too. Um, it's helped me with a few things, you know, in regards to your body and sleeping and stuff like that. Cause I've had issues in the past of sleeping as it's, you know, you always got 10,000 things going and this, that and the other and being able to disconnect. Cause I used to work a lot. I mean, I used to work 18 hours a day, which was extremely unhealthy. I was a lot bigger, probably 30 pounds overweight, not the deal anymore, but it is. It is interesting. It's like when you have to have that balance. I think it is important. I do. I can tell by the what you put together that you are always striving for that balance of life, right? Which is always so hard. It's hard, right? Because it's you have so more stuff. Yeah, it's not easy.
1: Also, just to your point of like, you know, we both seem to have that similar characteristic where we have a bunch of projects going. I mean, one thing I do. I did this at the end of last year. I I did it a couple months ago. Is I just kind of like take inventory of what I'm actively doing and serving on, or in what is serving me, or what am you know? If it's not serving me, then you it's not serving you. You need to stop doing it because you can't just keep saying yes to everything. So you know, I was on the board for you know the Celebration Foundation, and I just realized you know this is not something that I you know I can't do everything. So you know, I resigned from that after you know two or three great years. And you know it's just different things. Like if you're on a committee or, you know, if you maybe are helping a friend out, like there's just certain things that you just have to say no to, because all of a sudden you're going to be finding yourself completely burned out and spread thin doing all these things for everybody else.
0: So I've got to look up library, books, and then say no. I kind of looked that up because I haven't, that was something that I've always been really, like my mom was always, she's like, do you ever say no? And I'm like, I think I did one time, but then I probably called back and said, I was just kidding, I'll help you.
1: I think saying no is probably easier than undoing something you're already involved in though, you know?
0: Agreed. Yeah, so you, you've already gone down that road. Now you're like knee deep in, in the middle of it. And you're like, okay, now how would I get out of this?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you kind of have to balance those things out and, and, um, you know, another thing that, and I just have to have, happen to have this book here. So I just started getting back to reading fiction. I probably for the past 20 years, all I've read mostly is just business books, you know, or health and yeah. wellness books or self-help books. And, you know, it's amazing what I'm reading big little lies right now. It's amazing what, you know, just like you said, 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, just a reading of something. You're in a story that your mind is, you know, giving your mind a break and focusing on something else.
0: So I got a funny one for you. So I just, I was re I've been reading for like last two years. I don't know a like biker gang books. I have no idea where like it came from. I just, there was one called Mongols and I was like, Oh, it was like an audible type down. I was like, oh, I'll listen to it. And like, I, I between like, I'll read like, Oh, you know, business self-help how to do this, this, this. And I'm like, now how to talk about how the Mongols killed all of the not really but I mean it's like this like weird I'm like really stuck on this I'm, I'm probably going to jump over to like you know ganglands or something there I don't know yeah. what it is but there's something that like the stories intrigue me you know not necessarily the violence and all that but just I don't know it's it's something that's kind of pulled me in which is outside of my usual business and self help and you know help you know whatever that is
1: Yeah so it just, you gotta who switch gears, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, who knows? Maybe I'll join the Mongols one day and ride a motorcycle. <laughs> Probably not, but all right, so we got our last question of the day. So if I was to give you Hopefully my wife doesn't hear this because she's going to be really mad if I give you a card that has a $50,000 lemon on it and not give my wife. But let's just start with you. If I gave you a card with a $50,000 lemon, where would you, what's a store would you go to to go max it out? Where would you go? And you said, oh my God, this is like, that's my store.
1: That's such a hard question.
0: I know. I know. It's you're like, oh, hard come question. on, tell me two stores. Give me three. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is I there mean, any
0: one place? I mean, is there one place you're just like, oh my God, like my husband can't get me away from this store? Are you like, no, nah, I'm not really that into that. I would get a vacation for the family. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I, well, I think it would be, well, you said store. So if it was a store, I guess I would have to pick Neiman Marcus. Mm. And if it wasn't a store, if it was, I would definitely spend it on an experience like travel. You know, I think that that is something that you need to give yourself and splurge on and make time for is having those experiences. So some sort of an experience I would, I would invest and spend it on.
0: Makes total sense. Well, Lisa, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was a pleasure having you. Thank and you. once again, have an awesome day.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Shane, so much for having me. I appreciate it. Have a great day.
0: All right. Thanks, Lisa. Bye bye.